morning. How y'all doing? Um, uh, we're blessed to be here. This is our, our home away from home. Uh, Cindy and I have been coming up here for over 20 years. Uh, we vacation up here and we have, we just love this church. So we've got to do lots of ministry here and meet with your elders. And, and by the way, what a great team of elders this church has. What amazing guys. And we just love Lance and Mary T. They're really kind of like our kids almost. And so we're blessed to be here. We just spent uh, 15 days at Metal Lake relaxing. And so I'd, I'm not sure I want to preach. I think I'll just tell you some. No, I'm, I'm actually really excited about this message. Uh, last, uh, we, were, we got to 10 church here last week, and I saw the series you're doing. And I felt like God uh, really spoke to me during it. Um, the message, I, I, um, at this stage in my life, I travel, go to a lot of different churches. And so I might preach the same message in maybe 10 or 12 different churches over a period of time. And, and I have preached this message in other churches before. But when I saw that you're the author of life, I, uh, God just stirred something in me. And um, I, the title of my message is For His Purpose, but I actually would retitle it uh, The Author of My Life, The Author of Your Life. And I, I really want to talk about how God is the author of your life. I was really, uh, I think God wants to say something unique in that. <clears throat> There's a, I like, I like old guys, because I am an old guy. <laughs> but, but I mean really old guys, like, like centuries ago guys. And... Uh, uh, one of my favorites is a man by the name of Augustine, St. Augustine. He was a bishop in um, about the 400s. Um, he was a rascal that met Jesus. How many were rascals that met Jesus? Well, he, he was like that. And uh, um, his, uh, I've been reading through his confessions, and uh, his, he, he really understands how to repent. And I, I think that's a lost art with Christians sometimes, how to really repent for things. But anyway, <clears throat> he, this quote of his, and it should be, can you put it up there? Uh, it'd be the first point in the sermon. Nope. Go back one. Go back one slide. One, one more. One more slide. It's, you don't even have it on there. Okay. Uh, it's this. And listen to this. Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Let me read it again. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. I, I tried a lot of different things in life, and all of them were dead ends until Jesus. There, I, and I actually believe this is... And if, you, if you're not saved, you're not a Christian, and you're here today, I want you to really hear this. There's, there's a yearning in your heart, and it may take you all kinds of different directions, but the answer is Jesus, because you were made for that. See, you were made for that, and, and you'll never find that rest until you meet him, and then... You'll think, why? Why did I wait so long? It, 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 all right. So, do you get that? All right. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians two ten. Uh, this is a really basic sermon, and 
But I, I want to, I, I got four points. I want to get to point number three. But I got to do points one and two first, okay? Uh, so let's read Ephesians uh, chapter two. And starting with verse one, there, there's, uh, I, how, how many love the word of God? I, uh, the older I get, the more I love reading the Bible. And, and I've, I've read it for years, but now it's like I, I, my day doesn't even seem right if I don't get my time to read the, the Bible. And, and, and because I'm sort of semi-retired, I, I, I have more time, some days anyway. <laughs> um, and um, I love the whole Bible. I, and honestly, you should do a Bible reading program where you read through the whole of Scripture. But there's some parts that are just like standout parts. How many know what I'm talking about there? And uh, there's some that uniquely stand out for each of us, but there's some that just stand, should stand out for everybody. And, and the book of Ephesians, and particularly Ephesians 2, I, I think is one of those uh, portions. So I want, I want to read it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into uh, the Word of God. It says, once you were dead because you were disobedience in your many sins, you used to live in the sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the spirits, uh, commander of the powers in the unseen world. I'm reading through the NLT in case you're wondering why yours doesn't match up, and I'm sorry if it doesn't, but that's the way it is. I've, I've got, I got the mic. So. <laughs> he, he is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, this is about you. Okay, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. How many, how many can remember that time? And by the way, three of you can remember it? That must mean that the rest of you are just all really bad sinners are still there. Or you've forgotten, you need to be reminded. Amen. <laughs> so all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else, but God. Anytime you see but God in the Bible, get excited, because something cool is going to happen. He said, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. My, my grandfather was a pastor and he used to say, he said, he used to say, keep looking down. Actually a song about it, keep looking down from the heights where he doth abound. And what he's saying, he says, spiritually we're already with Jesus in heaven. And we need to have that kind of perspective on life. A amen? That was, that was free. I, I didn't even tell the first service that. All right. So, he raises, he sees us with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages the examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's the gift of God. I'm gonna be grateful for the gift. Amen? Actually, I, I, believe, I believe the happiest Christians are grateful. I, I actually... I think that's the key to a joyful life in God is being grateful, just staying grateful. 
God saved you by his grace. You can't, when you believe, you can't take credit. It's a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the thing, good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Now, verse 10, one of my uh, life scriptures I, uh, in our church, I let the young guys redecorate it, but these scriptures had to be on the wall someplace. And so they, they're on the wall. This is one of the three scriptures. That I'm going to use another one and one like the third one today. But we are God's masterpiece. Uh, most of you have used King James or something. It says God's workmanship. I like masterpiece better. Amen? We're God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good things that he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Amen. Let's pray together. And uh, there's things we do when we preach and we have services that almost seem like tradition. Well, he's going to pray now. I think it's really important to pray, to invite God to speak to our hearts. And so when I pray, be with me in that and ask God to personally touch you. Ask him to touch the others, but also you personally, because he knows exactly what's going on in your life now and before and will come. Amen? He understands it all. And he is interested in speaking to you today through me. Now, that's, that's scary to me because who am I to get to do that? But God somehow takes and breathes the spirit of life into my words, and he'll speak them to your heart. Even if I don't do a good job of preaching, God will still do that. I, I've, I've preached messages where I thought I really bombed and had people come and tell me that changed my life. And my first thought is, are you kidding? <laughs> but see, God, God does more exceedingly abundantly all than we can ask or even imagine. Amen? And so have an expectation. Mary T. talked about that, having an expectation that God will speak to you. And so let's pray for that now. Lord, we are so grateful to get to be together. God, we're so grateful for your wonderful word and the truth that it speaks to us. God, I pray that you would... Uh, uh, you know the condition of every heart. And I pray, God, you would tailor make this message for each person. God, there's things that I won't even say that you want to speak to hearts. And I pray they'd hear that. And God, it would bring the life change that you desire. So God, I pray you open up hearts and minds to receive for you. God, give me grace, wisdom, and anointing, Lord, to speak your heart. God, bless this time and bless your people. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, four things, and I really want to get to point number three, so I got to give you two, one and two first, to kind of lay a foundation of what we're talking about. Point number one is this, that you were dead. This is, this, I said this, basic Christianity. The Bible says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In fact, um, I'm quoted, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. I think it's a NIV says trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2.12 says this, you lived in the world without God and without hope. Um, I'm an old guy, so I'm going to just tell you what I think, okay? Sometimes I'm disappointed with the response Christians have to the world. Um, 
you, you live around people, you work with people, you go to school with people, you live next door to people, you meet them in the grocery store and restaurants, whatever, who don't know Jesus. And the Bible says they're without God and without hope. I got, I got saved when I was four and a half in a little Baptist church in Oklahoma. I, I had a period of backsliding, a long period of backsliding. Maybe talk a little bit about that more later. But, but I've always, I've never had a conscious time in my life when I didn't have hope. Even in the midst of my backsliding, when I would tell people, I'm not even sure God exists, in the back of my mind, in my heart, there was still a sense that God's there. And I, I tried to deny it. I didn't want it. But I still knew where hope was. I, I really want you to get this. The people you live with don't have any hope. And it, there's another scripture that says that they're in darkness. In Montana, we have the Lewis and Clark Caverns. How many have ever been there? And they take you down to the bottom of the caverns, and then they turn off the light. And it's, it's just, it's freaky. It's, it's like the darkness is like soup almost. It's just you literally can't see anything. The Bible says that people without Jesus live without God, without hope, in gross darkness. And so when people live like that, they act in ways that don't seem right. Because if I, don't, if I don't have hope, I've got to find some kind of hope. So I'm going to manufacture a hope in my life. That's just human nature to do that. We were, we were built by God, I believe, to live with hope. And so what I do is I find false hope. Maybe it's in, in uh, drugs and alcohol or sex or accomplishment or in, in achievement or, or politics. And, and um, all kinds of things. I'm trying to find it somewhere. Uh, if, by the way, if you're not saved, I want to tell you, it, it, the only place it is is in Jesus, and it really is there. What we do is we get, we, we're not compassionate to those people. We say, why do you talk like that? Why do you act like that? Why do you vote like that? Well, if you have no hope, how are you going to act? And honestly, our response should be brokenheartedness and compassion towards people like that. Say, God, God put us here. To be light to a dark world. Amen? And that doesn't mean that we just sit around and say, don't I look good? <laughs> and don't you look bad? But we're to bring the light to them. A amen? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And this, this isn't even a message, but it's really important. And so uh, when, you, when you see them act in ways that don't seem right to you, understand why, where that comes from. And you have the hope of the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ever, ever read that scripture? See, you, you have hope. All right. So number one, we were dead. And, and people, and understand that and say, God, I, I want my heart to be compassionate. I want, I want to pray for my leaders. I, I guess I'll tell you guys too. I, I, I used to kind of get a kick out of this, particularly in this country. I, I've, God really convicted me a while back about praying for our leaders. And so I'd tell churches, I prayed regularly every day for Nancy Pelosi. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and, and now I pray for, the guy's name is Hakeem Jeffries. 
I pray for our, our leadership of our country and, and for our state, for Greg Genforti and John Tester and Steve Daines and so on. You know, why? Because some of them do have hope, all right? But the ones that don't, I, want, I don't just pray God straighten their politics out. God, help them to meet you. God, help them. Say amen? Okay, point number, that's point number one. We're dead. Number two, number two, we've been given life. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Let me just read you some scriptures on, that was a pretty weak amen for, he gave us life. You were dead, you got ro- ro- risen to life, and you go, amen. Come on. All right, listen, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though you were dead because of your sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace you've been saved. Listen to this one. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is one of the scriptures on our walls, or at least part of it. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, 5, 17, and 18, has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. When, when you get saved, you don't get better. You don't get fixed. You become new. When I was, um, Cindy and I were, uh, we met at the University of Montana. She had got a saved a month before I met her, and I was on my journey back to God. Uh, we went to Alaska. Uh, the idea was to make a bunch of money so I could go to law school, and then God had a whole different plan. But we got baptized in the Holy Spirit up there, and it literally transformed our lives. But in those few first years walking with God through that time, God began to take things from my past. How many had a past? And he would, he would symbolically take them out. Let me explain what I mean by that. There's no way that I could possibly deal with every sin that I'd, I'd done. Yeah, I couldn't even remember them all. And I, I was deeply ashamed of all of it, even things I didn't remember. But God would do this. And probably a lot of you had this experience where there were symbo- like there were types of things I did that he'd remind me of and give me a chance to deal with it. How, how many know what I'm talking about? You just like, and so one day, uh, I, I believe I was on the way to work. I saw a person from my past. And the thing that bothered me most about my past was not the acts that I did, but the people that I did them to, the way I treated people. And so I, I saw this person from my past, and I was just ashamed. I felt so bad. And I was working a night shift. I worked for a, a liquefied natural gas plant. And my job was to go around and check levels and gauges and things all through the night. So I had a lot of alone time. And I'm walking around and I'm saying, God, I am so sorry. God, I feel, how many have ever repented for something like a gajillion times? Right? Because you, you, just, you just feel so bad. And you know he forgives you, but you just still feel bad. God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. I, if I can do anything, if you want me to talk to that person, if you want me to, I'll do whatever you want me to do. God, please, I'm so sorry. God, I just feel so bad. About 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord spoke to me. And I, most of the time when God speaks to me, it's like an impression in my heart. A 
few times in my life I've almost heard almost like a voice. And when that happens, it's almost always God's changing the way I'm thinking. It's not like he's mad at me. He's just helping me to see things in a different way than I think. And he spoke this to me. He said, son, a dead man did that. Man. It was like, like two years of Bible school in an instant. And I realized that the person that did that didn't exist anymore. I, I'm a new creation. I'm a different person. That's when this scripture came alive to me. God didn't just change us. He made us new. Amen? And, and the grace of God, he's transformed us inside and we're different people because of what Jesus did. Can you say amen to that? Amen. By the way, that's why we should be grateful. That's why we should be grateful. I am so grateful that I don't have to carry the shame of my past. I, I'm, I'm sad that I'm still sad today for things I did, but I'm grateful that it's not me anymore. Does that make sense? Amen. All right. That was point number two. Point number three is where I want to get to, all right? We're going we're gonna to talk. We're going to camp here for a few minutes. We are a masterpiece created by Christ Jesus. We are his masterpiece. We read a couple of scriptures, and then we'll get into this. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Psalm 139, this is also another favorite scripture of mine. So I love this message because it's, I got all my favorite scriptures in it. He said, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. All right. God made you the way you are. You're who you're supposed to be. You are... <laughs> you, you're, you're a... You're made by your environment. You know, you're, you're born with certain genetic things. By your, the things that happen in your life, your environment. You're made by the, the, all the stuff that goes on. All of that goes into forming who you are as a person. Can, does that make sense? You're who you're supposed to be. I, I was born slow. Now, not mentally, but physically, I was born slow. I'm not talking about I wasn't as fast as some other people. I'm talking about really slow. If we were all in our prime and went out in the parking lot, okay, picture this. By the way, let me, let me take a side trip. Because God, 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 God put this on my heart this morning. We are all in our prime. All right. Now, let me, let me explain that. I, this, the, the thing, the author of life, he's the author of your life. So your life, your life is a masterpiece written by God. I don't know how many readers are in here. I really like to read them. I particularly like to read historical novels. And, and some of them are even considered masterpieces. Which chapter would you take out? If, if it's really well written, you couldn't take any out. 
especially the end. Some of you are older and you're thinking, well, you know, I've kind of passed my prime. No, this is the chapter that's being written at this time for this time. Amen? All right. So maybe there's chapters that have a lot of pain in them. In fact, really good novels have a lot of pain in them. It starts out, and then, then everything falls apart, and then there's a st- series of struggles to get it together, and then, then the last chapter, they win the great battle. See, I read a lot of things with swords. And, and, then, and, and then, then there's one more chapter where he kisses the princess, and they ride off in the sunset. Okay? All right? It would be horrible if they took that chapter out. By the way, the end of all your books end in glory. Is that right? But the pages and the chapters in between sometimes have deep pain in them and heartache and struggle and victories and successes and struggles and it's like wrestling. But let's make it even a little more complex. Your book, your masterpiece, is also that he's writing in your, with your life is also part of his great masterpiece. And, and you don't know how yours fits in with what he's writing. You just know that he's writing in your life and what you know is what's happening to you. And, and honestly, some people, most of their life is really painful, even for Christians. I know this doesn't sound like a faith message, but it's just a true message. Some people really struggle with things, but God uses all of that to write a masterpiece. Your life is a masterpiece, and then the author of all life is writing a masterpiece. Amen? So you're in the prime of your life now, but if we're out in the parking lot, let's go back to the parking lot now. I'm I'm, going to come back to this, but if you're out in the parking lot now and we're going to run a race... Let's say we're all in our athletic prime. Some of you are going, yeah. Some of you are going, I never had one. <laughs> By the way, I, I never had one. If we ran a race, I would be last. When I was uh, about 13, 14, I think, I think it was a freshman, we had to run an 880. That was, uh, I, don't, I think they call it 800 now, but it was an 880 then. You ran twice around the track. And I had several people lap me. That means that they ran twice and I hadn't finished once. Now, I'm, I'm 76 year old, years old and I really don't give a rip anymore. <laughs> but when you're 14 or 15, that's pretty traumatic and embarrassing. When I was a kid, I would try to be sick on any play days or field days, anything that had any running in it, because I was just, I was really slow. And I got, got, there were other wonderful things in my life, but that caused all kinds of embarrassment, insecurities, and disappointments, and, and just shame. Just, you, you, by the way, I'm not trying to get you to feel bad for me. I, I told you, I'm, I'm okay now. All right? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't run with any of you now. I don't. <laughs> but as a kid, it was hard. When I was 50 years old, uh, I got cancer. And I had to, 
have surgery, when they did it, um, I, I started having a numbness in my legs. And so they, the VA sent me to Helena to a, a specialist that wanted to check me out. And they put a probe in my foot and then a probe in my leg. Actually, a needle about that long they stuck in my leg. I don't know if you ever had this done. And then they, they send a, a, a pulse between it. And um, I'm laying there, and the guy is, the doctor's looking at it, and he goes, oh. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> that always makes you really nervous. <laughs> you want the doctor to say, oh, okay. You, know? <laughs> you don't want an explanation. Anyway, um, he said, oh, and he said this. He said, your quick twitch is half of normal. I mean, he just explained my whole growing up years. I'm laying on the bed, and I almost started sobbing. I'm a, man, I'm a grown man. I'm 50 years old. I'm not, never going to run out of the race again, but it's still, it just explained all kinds of pain in my life when I was a kid. I'd drive home to Great Falls from Helena, and when I, I got in the car, I'm praying and talking, and I, I felt like the Lord said to me, I made you slow. And I at first was kind of angry about it. I said, that's not fair. I said, I, I mean, I, I, they used to, in comics, they had these special shoes you could get that would make you faster, supposedly. And I, I, I didn't have the money, but I wanted to buy a pair because I thought maybe that'll help. But my, I, I could jump about that high. <laughs> I'm, I'm six, two and a half. I, I couldn't. I can't, I've never been able to touch the rim. So I'm, I'm kind of angry at God. I'm struggling, praying. And by the time I got home, I said, God, thank you for making me slow. Because I realized that the way I was made made me a different person. It, it gave me maybe a better pastor. I, I was more compassionate to people that had weakness. I, I, I think it just softened me in some things. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like God showed me a little bit of what it had done in my life. I didn't like it, but I realized it was part of the purpose of God. I, I, I preached this message several times, and I was praying for it. Before once I was actually going to preach it in our home church, and God brought another memory from my past. When I was 18, I went in the Navy, I went in the service, I went to boot camp, and I'd had, at 17, I started backsliding, and there was a whole bunch of conflict with my dad and I. But something about me going in the service started healing that. My dad was a, a war hero. He had Silver Star, Bronze Star, all kinds of medals. And been in World War II, been in World War, been in Korean War. And it like started connecting us a little bit. And I went to boot camp and I was doing really well. I was, uh, I was made company commander, or what they call it, RCPO, Recruit Chief Petty Officer. And so I, I got to march with our company on the side and I carried a sword. Everybody else carried a rifle, I carried a sword. Some of you might have been in the Navy, you know what I'm talking about. And I'd salute, you know, you'd salute like this, or I guess you'd look like that and salute. I told that to our church and I saw a guy on, on 10th Avenue South and he honked a horn and rolled down the window. He said, Pastor Bob, you carried a sword. Were you in the Calvary? I said, 
How old do you think I am? <laughs> no, I was in the Navy. I, I was an honor man of our company. There, there were like, there was 12 companies in a brigade that graduates together, and I was the top recruit in my company, and then I was picked as one of the top three for the whole brigade. And uh, so I, I was doing well, and, and my parents were so excited. My dad was excited about this. And just before graduation, they said, we have to do something. We need to do a PT. I went, uh-oh. What one part of the PT is you had to do a 60-second shuttle run. And I was probably in the best shape of my life, but I'm still really slow. And what it was is if you failed it, they would send you a special company. They'd train you for, they just, you do calisthenics for six weeks, and then they'd do it again, see if they could get you in shape. If you still failed, they'd kick you out. This is where my head was at, my heart was at. That would have been almost, I would have been suicidal probably. And it would have put a breach in my family. Horrible. And so here the day comes and we have to run. The guy's got his clock or his stopwatch. And I'm, somebody came up to me after the service, heard the first service. He says, well, if you run slow, you can see more scenery. <laughs> I said, that's actually not true because you are focusing so hard and every fiber of your being is trying to run. And they told us, go. I start running. I'm running with everything I got. And he, towards the end, he goes, 56, 57, 58, 56, 57, 58, 56, 57, 58, 60. He passed me. Sometimes things in your life that hurt, you, you think God's trying to hurt you or mad at you. And what, actually, I was praying for the message. of preacher at church, he said, son, I was with you there. I made you slow to help you, but I didn't want to hurt you. I, I actually told that story in our church, and a man came up to me afterwards and he was sobbing. He was a great big guy. He was crying so hard he couldn't talk. And I, so we talked to him later in the week. And I said, why are you crying so much? He, he said, when you told that story, he says, I realized if that guy had not had God's grace on him to pass you, I wouldn't be here. Because the first time I came to church, you gave your testimony. And I accepted Jesus. I'm a part of this church. I have this wonderful family. God restored my life. And that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't passed. Do you see this? See? See, God's writing a story. And, and sometimes there's pain in it. But it's, it's for God's sake and for other people's sake. Let me give you a, a second part of that. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 20, I think it is, says this. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. 521. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I, I preached on this the last time I was here, but I, I just want to remind you of this. On, on the cross, and the cross was horrible, but it was really just symbolic 
what really took place on the cross Jesus took all your stuff all my stuff all my junk my shame my sin and it was put on him that's the real horror of the cross but the the reason he did was so that it's not on me anymore and now I'm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're, you're holy. And, and God had to make you holy so he could live inside of you. And Colossians says, it's Christ in you. That's the mystery of God. That's Christ is in you. See? So here's this shaped by God creation indwelt by God himself. You're the temple of God. Those are not just symbolic things. God's actually living inside of you and it's for his purpose. See, he took Bob, made him slow and there's other things that happened in my life. All that shaped me but then he made me clean so he could live inside of me so that I then could be his man for his purpose so he could write my story that would affect all the stories. Does that communicate? Let's go to point number four, all right? Point number four is for his purpose. Ephesians 2.10, it says, so that we can do the good things that he planned for us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.19-20 again says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them. And he gave us, you and I, this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God's making his special appeal through us. We speak for Christ, we play, come back to God. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says this, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. I'll glory to him forever. So you came from him, you're birthed by him. You exist by his power and your life is intended for his glory. God formed you the way you are, took you out of death to life, made you who you are so that you can live for his glory. Romans 12.1, this is from the Message Bible. Somebody asked me what translates. Message Bible, this is, uh, you, you know the scripture in Romans 12.1 where it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, right? Let's do it in the Message Bible. A good Montana boy wrote this, Eugene Peterson. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. chapter of your life, your story you're in. Maybe you're towards the end. Maybe you're in the middle of it. Maybe it's, it's some, you've had several chapters in a row where it's really hard. But what you have to see, it's not about today, it's about eternity. And, and, and the book God is writing on you, which is a masterpiece, which fits into the book he's writing on the world, which is a masterpiece, he ties it all together. So what you do is say, God, here I am. This is my life today. Maybe my life's got pain in it. Maybe I've got joy in it. Maybe, maybe I'm having a victory. Maybe, maybe, maybe at the end of my life and I'm just about ready to kick.
kiss the princess. Whatever it is, God, it's all yours. It's for your glory, for your purposes. And it's to see people reconciled to you. Can, can you say amen to that? Let's bow our heads. Father, I, I just thank you for these wonderful people. God, you love them. God, you, you love us more than we will ever know until we get to heaven. And God, you have purpose for us. God, you're, you're making our lives a masterpiece written by you. So I, I pray for each person, wherever they are in that journey, 